All right, to all say good morning. Let's begin by thanking our sponsors, our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Sivan, Naftali and Chavi Tilson from Eretz Yisrael. With gratitude to Naftali's Chaver Benjamin Wall for introducing him to the Dafyomi. May Hashem bless us all to finish the Dafyomi cycle together and celebrate with a Sium together in Eretz Yisrael. Amen. To thank Baruch Meir and Rina Dubin for dedicating all the Shur and Drashos this month. In this Chos, may Hashem continue to protect our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael. May all of our children remain safe and complete their year of learning with a deep connection to the land and to Hashem's Torah. Well, so with that, let us begin. So we have an exciting gap ahead of us today and hopefully also the ability to close out the sugya that we began on Sunday in Mirat Hashem and have not yet resolved. But let's pick up today's daf is Nun Aleph 51. We are picking up on Nun Amud Beis. We kind of left off right in the middle of the Brisa. I apologize for that. So let's pick up in the middle of the Brisa. Two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven lines up on the bottom. Amud Rav So we're just jumping right into the middle here. So Rav says, remember from yesterday, Lo, your Shesha says, and we're interpreting the Brisa, the Brisa is not referring to the par, rather, Be'elo Shal Aron. The Brisa is referring ultimately again to the Ayol, to the Ram of Aron. Hachanami Mistabra, this would appear to be, this would appear to be clear. Because ultimately, if you assume that the Brisa that we were discussing yesterday refers to the par of the coin Gadol, Tumura de par, Shabbos Vitamo Hudulodachia. So we'll say that seems to infer that the only problem with the Tmura of the par is that ultimately it's not Docha, Shabbos, and Tuma. But would you even be able to offer this up? This would be the Tmura of Achatos, Utumura's Chatos Lemisa Azla. And Tmura's Chatos ultimately again is left to die. To which the Gemara says, You're right, though, the Olam Paro. You're right, the Bryce is talking about the power of the coin Godel. Umay Tumura. So this is very interesting. What does it mean when it says Tumura? Shame Tumura. It means the general category of Tumura. In other words, that the Brisa is not per se focusing on a particular case of Tumura. Rather, again, the Brisa is talking about the category of Tumura. If you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says, My Tumura, about uh, eight lines up, nine up from the bottom. My Tumura, Shame Tumura. The Olam Bapar. In reality, the Bryce that we were discussing is talking about the power of the Kohen Gadol. I'm sorry, I keep saying it. And the Chumra that Zevach has over Tumura is in the category. So interestingly enough, what the Gemara means to say is like this. It is a chumrah that a regular carbon has over the general category of tumura, but lav dafka every particular situation. If that's the case, why not interpret the brisa as referring not to a particular carbon, but the general category of carbonos? To which the gemara says, the gemara says, shame zevach lo katani. The gemara says we're not going to talk about a general category of carbonos, and I'll tell you why. Mimai. Remember again, one of the Chumras that the Gemara espoused regarding Tumura 
is that Tamura has the ability to be Chalala Balmum. So we discussed this yesterday. If you go ahead and you take an inherently blemished animal and you try to make that animal into a carbon, the sacrificial designation does not devolve on an animal that cannot be sacrificed. That's different than Tamura, right? Interestingly enough, if you exchange a carbon for a, for a blemished animal, that blemished animal actually can become a Tamura. Now again, obviously you can't offer it up, but Lamaise does become a Tamura. And if ultimately, again, you think that what does Zerach refer to? Shame Zevach. Then that, old, that, then that statement doesn't hold up because after all, If you want to understand, the Gemara said that the Chumrah, that ultimately Tumura has over a regular carbon, is that Halach said Tumura is Chal on a Balmum, and ultimately again, never can be redeemed to become Chulin or to be shorn or to be worked. And if you hold that halacha lamaisa zevach doesn't mean a particular carbon, but rather it means the general category of carbonos, that statement is incorrect. Why is the statement incorrect? Because there are examples of carbonos, regular carbonos that you could do this with. For example, which carbonos type of nonalif? Bechar or meiser. Both say the good example is bechar and meiser behema. Because after all, these animals, the cholin al bal mum kavua. Both say these animals ultimately again can be chal on a Balmum Kavua, right? Ultimately, a Bechar animal is, is a de facto designation, and Maeser Behema can also be chal on a Balmum Kavua. And they do not go out to Chulin, they cannot be redeemed, ultimately, again, for shearing or for working. Look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says, Bechar, Kedusha Firstborn animal, again, it's Kedusha, is, is in utero. Bein Tam, Bein Balmum. Whether that animal is a tam or a bamum, the lo shum pidyon, and it has no redemption. There are examples of zevach. There are examples of zevach that ultimately are chal al bamum also. There are also examples of of zevach that cannot be redeemed for the purposes of going out to Chulin for working and for shearing. Ella, shem zevach lo katani. Rather, I will say, therefore, you must say that the Braisa is not referring to the general category of Karbanos, but rather the specific Karbanos. So, Tumura. And ultimately, again, so why is Tumura different? That we can interpret the Braisa as referring to a general category of Tumura. Shem Tumura achasi. So ultimately, again, I will say, because there is really only one general category of Tumura, However, zevach ika bachar vi ika meiser. But ultimately, again, when it comes to zevach, when it comes to stam karbanos, we see that there is a division. There are regular karbanos, but now, as we just pointed out, bachar and meiser are treated fundamentally different. Good. According to Rav Sheishes, ad mokim le be'elo shalarun, lukma be'pesach. So according to Rav Sheishes, instead of going ahead and setting up the b'raisa, as talking about the Isle of Aaron, why not go ahead and set up, well, so all just, all just the continuation of yesterday's b'raisa, why not go ahead and set it up as dealing with carbon Pesach? The docha es ha-shabbos ve'es ha-toma tmura. As well as after all, carbon Pesach seems to have alamaylas as well. Number one, it's docha Shabbos. 
Number two, it's Docha Tomo, though we normally group those two things together. Oset Temura, you could affect the Temura ultimately through Karban Beisach, and ultimately, again, the Karban Yachidi, and it's a Karban Yachid. Well, that's the same thing. In order, it's able, so we saw this yesterday, that in order to be able to go ahead and affect Temura, what has to happen? You have to be a Karban Yachid, right? Carbon, even carbon seabar, even carbon shall shutfim, cannot go ahead and affect Tamura. To, to which the Gemara says he's not going to set it up as carbon pesach. Why? Kasavar, ein shochtin pesach al hayochid. So this is very interesting. Apparently, Rav Sheshas holds that you would not go ahead and shech the carbon pesach for an individual. Well, I said this, this harkens back to our Psachim days. If you take a look at Rashi, Kasavar in Shochtin Pesach Alayachid, Karabihuda de Amrahim Mesechas Psachim, the Yalifle, Mibelo Suchal is Borchasa Pesach Beechot, the Chevan de Inna is really the, really the Pasik is, Lo Suchal is Borchasa Pesach Beechot Sharecha. Right? That's, that's really what it means, that you can't shed carbon Pesach in your backyard. You can only shed carbon Pesach in the precincts of the Beis HaMikdosh. But the drusha that's made is lo suchal Pesach be'echad. You cannot shed the carbon Pesach for one individual. The cheivan de'ino ba'abolo shutfus e'no sintemura. So everyone says, very interesting. Rosh Hashanah's view of carbon Pesach is that since carbon Pesach cannot be brought for an individual, can only be brought as part of a group, therefore what? It has the status of a carbon of shutfim, right, of partners. And because it is a partnership carbon, therefore what? It is not subject to Tamura. For size, it says the Gemara, the nok may be Pesach Sheni. Why don't you go ahead and then set it up maybe as Pesach Sheni? So I'll say, so again, remember Pesach Sheni can be brought for an individual because remember again, by definition, who brings Pesach Sheni? Who brings Pesach Sheni? Someone who was Tamei or Baderach Hachoka. That's not a communal thing. I mean, it can be a communal thing. No, it's not a communal thing. Because they'll say, what happens if the community is Tamei? Tomahotra B'tzibo. You bring, you bring Pesach Rishon. So obviously, again, Pesach Sheni is brought ultimately by a Yochid. So why not Pesach is Pesach Sheni? We'll say, this is very interesting. To which the Gemara says, Mi Dachi Tomah. Tell me, is Pesach Sheni Dochet Tomah? See, we're going to discuss this actually in a bit of depth in just a moment, which is, we saw this, we saw this in Pesachim. The Gemara says that ultimately, again, Pesach Sheni is not Docha Tumah. But say, what's the logic to say that Pesach Sheni is not Docha Tumah? The whole reason you bring carbon Pesach, Pesach Sheni is why? Is why? Because you were Tame. So the Gemara says, does it make sense then? to go ahead and offer our Pesach Sheni Betumah. So therefore, the Gemara suggests that ultimately, again, Rav Sheshes, the Gemara is asking, why does Rav Sheshes have to set up the Bryce as talking about the Isle of Aaron? Why doesn't he choose a different carbon, like carbon Pesach, to illustrate all of the facts or all of the statements that the Bryce wants to make? To which the Gemara says, because Rav Sheshes holds, number one, carbon Pesach cannot be offered up as a, for a Yachid. Therefore, it's not a carbon a Yachid, it's a carbon a Shutfim. If it's a carbon on Shutfim, it's not subject to Me'ilah. Ah, what about Pesach Sheni? Pesach Sheni is not Docha Tumah. And in the Braissa, we were trying to find an example of regular carbon that's Docha Shabbos, Docha Tumah, and ultimately can affect Tumura. Well, according to Rav Sheshes, carbon Pesach does not go ahead and satisfy those criteria. Amrav Yerafunabri Rav Yoshua Rabba. Vitana, Maishna Pesach de Karele Karban Yachid, Umaishna Chagiga. The Karli Karben Sibar. So we'll say, this is very interesting. If we go back to the Braissa 
yesterday, right? And go back to the Brisa yesterday, the Brisa that spoke about again that the, the Chumras that Tmura has over Zevach and Zevach has over Tmura. So the Gemara called Carbon Pesach a Carbon Yachid and called Carbon Chagiga a Carbon Sibor. Now I will say, so just to be clear, right? Both of those Carbonos, Chagiga and Carbon Pesach, are Carbonos which are consumed by individuals. Or by, or by groups, right? But by individuals. So why does the Gemara make a distinction between Karim Pesach and Karim Yachid? Uh, Karim Pesach and Karim Tzibar. To which the Gemara says, Imishum da'asi biknufya. So maybe you'll say, Karim Chagiga is called a carbon Tzibar. Not as much because the carbon itself is brought on behalf of the collective, but rather because the carbon is brought in a great assembly. Others will say, remember again, when do you bring carbon chagiga? Carbon chagiga is brought, halach, said during the Yamim Tovim. What happens during the Regalim in the Beis HaMikdash? The Beis HaMikdash is packed. So because it's packed, because it's brought bikinufya, a large gathering, so perhaps ultimately again, that is what makes it a carbon tzibor. To which the Gemara says, Pesach nami asi bikinufya. I, carbon Pesach, is also brought in a large gathering, you know, remember again, we saw, we saw this, uh, we saw this in incredible detail in Musachas Psachim, right? The idea that when Karban Pesach was brought, ultimately, again, there were throngs of people, the Kohanim were up to their knees in blood. So it can't be that Karban Chagig is called a Karban Sibar, because Halacha Lamaisa, because Halacha Lamaisa is brought with a group of people, and yet, I'm sorry, Karban Chagig is brought with a group of people, and yet Karban Pesach is not, because Karban Pesach is also brought to Knufya. To which the Gemara says, "Isa Pesach Sheni, Delo Asi Biknufya." Here's the problem: There's Pesach Sheni, and Pesach Sheni is not brought with a large assembly of people. So, also what the Gemara is pointing out over something really quite fascinating, which is that Halacha Lemaisa, when we speak about Carbon Pesach, or when, when the Brisa speaks about Carbon Pesach, Carbon Pesach by definition includes Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni, which is really quite fascinating because generally. When we discuss, in Gimara, when we discuss Karban Pesach or Pesach, we're almost always only discussing Pesach Rishon, not Pesach Sheni. Yet amazingly enough, here in the Braisa, the Gimara explains that Pesach means Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni. Therefore, even if you wanted a Taina that Pesach Rishon should have the status of a Karban Sibar, Pesach Sheni does not. Pesach Sheni does not. For the simple reason that Pesach Sheni is really the purview of individuals. So If that's the case, then ultimately again Pesach Sheni should be Dochas Shabbos and Tumah. That I will say, I want to point something out. Pesach Sheni is Dochas Shabbos. Really what the Gemara means over here is that Pesach Sheni should be Dochas Tumah. This is looking back now to the previous discussion we were just engaging in about does Pesach Sheni or is Pesach Sheni Docha Toma or not? So the Gemara says, in Kimanda Amar Dochi. Yeah, this is a machlokes. And we're, we're, we're recording ourselves over here with the opinion that says that Pesach Sheni is Docha Toma. But also, here we go. This is such a fascinating machlokes. The Sanyo. Pesach Sheni Docha Sashavis Veina Docha Satoma. But also, Tanakama says, Pesach Sheni is Docha Shabbos. But it's not Dochet Tumah. It's not Dochet Tumah. Rabbi Huda Omer, Af Dochet Tumah. Rabbi Huda says, no, it's even Dochet Tumah. So we'll say, fundamental machlokis by Pesach Sheni. Tana, everyone agreeing that Pesach Sheni is Dochet Shabbos. Everyone agrees with. Machlokis is Pesach Sheni Dochet Tumah. 
Tanakama, no. Rabbi Huda, yes. My time with the Tanakama. We'll say, why is it that Halacha Lameisa, the Tanakama says that it's not Docha, that it's not Docha Tuma? So Tanakama will say very simply, Amr Lecha, Mipnei Tuma Dachisu, Viyaseb Tuma? So we'll say, listen to this Tanakama, says, I don't understand. The whole reason we didn't let this guy do Pesach Rishon was why? Was why? He was Tame. So now, you told him, don't do Pesach Rishon because you're Tame. And now we're going to let him do Pesach Sheni because he's Tame? It's totally counterintuitive. Pesach Sheni is there to allow for someone who couldn't do Pesach Rishon because he was Tame. So therefore, by definition, the only way to go out and do Pesach Sheni is what? Is if you're Tar. Aye, what happens if you're Tame? What happens if you're Tame? <laughs> There's always next year. Right? That's what happens if you're Tame by Pesach Sheni. However, Rabbi Huda, so it says the Tanakamo. Rabbi Huda will say, Rabbi Huda, Amr Lecha, Amr Kra, Kechol Chukas HaPesach Yaasu Oso. Listen to this. Vafilu Bitumo. But say, listen to this. Rabbi Huda makes a drasha. When the Torah speaks at Pesach Sheni, the Torah says, Kechol Chukas HaPesach Yaasu Oso. Pesach Sheni should be conducted in accordance with all of the rules of Pesach Rishon. All of the rules which govern Pesach Rishon should govern Pesach Sheni. We'll say, can Pesach Rishon ultimately again be brought betumah? Well, under certain circumstances, yes. So therefore, again, there's also an allowance to bring Pesach Sheni betumah as well. What's the allowance to bring Pesach Sheni betumah? If you're Tame, right? If you're Tame and there's no other way for you to bring it, you could bring Pesach Sheni betumah. Hatore hechzir lavlasos betara. The Torah tries to get you to bring Pesach Sheni Betara, but ultimately, again, Lo Zacha Ya'asena Betumah. If you are unable to bring your Pesach Rishon, sorry, your Pesach Sheni Betara, then ultimately, again, you should go ahead and bring it Betumah. I says the Gemara Amud Beis, V'seifoklei, V'seifoklei, Da'asher Lo Amrachmano, so, I'll say, so again, I just want to stop here for just a moment. So the Gemara now is going to jump back to a previous part of the conversation. So I'll say, so again, by the way, how do we pass in the Pesach Sheni? We pass in like the Tanakamo. That Pesach Sheni is Docha Shabbos. Pesach Sheni is not Docha Tomo. So the mice again, if we'll call him Ruvain, if Ruvain missed Pesach Rishon because he was Tame, and now comes the Pesach Sheni and he's Tame again, Say sorry. Right? Better, better luck next time, Emir Hashem. But ultimately, again, we do not allow Pesach Sheni to be offered up in a state of Tumah. Fine. So it says the Gemara, I be safe for clay. Da'asher lo amarachmano, mishalohu maybe. Supposed to listen to this. So take a look at the top Rashi. Be safe for clay. Amadez. Ba'ya de Rabbi Elazar de la El, de Pariyomikipurim de Kohanim be Kofiohu de Miskapri Bey, de Ha'asher lo Ksib Bey. Tlasa zimni leme ute tzibor ve'achav akohanim d'lo medido asi d'lo medido asi tlasa asher lo ksibi bei betray kriv hikriv aron vekriv tinyana v'shachatu as parachat as asher. So we'll say, listen to this. So we'll say, if you remember again, one of the fundamental discussions that we begin, we we have two we have two open questions. Right? What are two fundamental open questions? Well, the first question of Osai is the question we still have open from them, Tess Ahmed Beis. Remember again, what was that question? No one used the weekend for Chazara. Mamish. Okay, so Osai, so again, remember the dam of the par. Right? So remember again, the coin shaft of the par, coin godel shaft of the par, 
then have the Dan coin Gadol die. So remember again, what was the Shaila? Can the new coin come along and use that Dan? What was that Machlok? So that's the Machlok. What is it based on? What is it based on? Is Dam Ikri Par. Right? Is Dam called Dam or is Dam called Par? Right? When we look at the Dam, what do we see? The Pasuk says, Bizos Yava Aaron Alakodesh Bepar. Aaron has to come into the Kodesh with the Par. Does Par mean a Par that he shechted? Or Par just means the Dam of the Par? The Nafkamina would be, does the second coin Gogol have to shecht a new Par? That's, that's open question number one. In yesterday's daf, we opened up another question, which is what? Which is what? What's the status of the par? Remember, we'll say three options. What's the status of the par? Good. Either carbon yachid, carbon seabor, or shutfus. Right? Those are the three options when it comes to the par of the coin gadol. So the Gemara says, now we'll say, now we're focusing on that question. The identity of the par. Carbon yachid, carbon seabor, carbon shutfus. Says the Gemara, Seifukle, why don't you prove that the par is clearly a carbon yachid? Because the Pasik says, Da asher lo amarachmano. Right? The Pasik says, Hikriv Aaron is parachatas asher lo. The Pasik says, Aaron will offer up his par. And the Gemara Darshans, Mishalohu maybe. Did I both say, who pays for the par? Who pays for the par? The coin gadol. The par must come from the coin gadol's own money. Desanya, because we learned Asher Lo, the part that belongs to him, Mishalah, who maybe will Mishal Tzibor. Then Allah said the money for the part must come from the coin Gadol's pocket and not from communal coffers. So you might have thought, well, the reason the Tzibor doesn't pay for the par is very simple, because the Tzibor does not gain kapara through the par. I, but maybe again, it can be bought from Kohanic money. So maybe it makes sense that the par is not paid for with communal money because there is no communal kapara through the par. But maybe because the Kohanim do get kapara through the par, maybe the Kohanim should ship in for the par. asher lo. Therefore, the Pasik says, asher lo, that belongs to him, that alochalamaisa. The, the money for the par must come from the coin gadol. So you might have thought, although the coin, coin gadol is not supposed to bring the par from other funds, either community funds or Kohanic funds, meaning other Kohanic funds, that he shouldn't. But if he did it, the par is still kosher. Talmud Lomar, Shuv, Asher Lo. Both say, therefore, the Pasuk says, another time, Asher Lo. That's Vehikriv, Aronis, Parachatos, Asher Lo. Shina hakosov alav laakev. Ultimately, again, I will say the Torah goes out of its way to say asher lo laakev. I will say laakev means that this is an immutable part of the par, namely that Allah saw the par must come from the coin gadol's private funds, and if it comes from any form of communal funds, whether it's seabor funds or kohanic funds, the par is invalid. Now I will say. What kind of picture does this paint? According to this, what type of carbon is the par? A carbon yachid, right? Bipashtos, if we're so insistent that it has to come from the coin's money, bipashtos, that makes it a carbon yachid. And according to this logic, So I will say, see here, here we keep coming back to this tension. Here's the great anomaly by the par. On one hand, you're telling me the Torah goes out of its way twice to say asher lo. 
over and over the Torah saying the power must come from the money of the Kohen Gadol. Yet I will say we know explicitly who achieves atonement through the power. Who achieves atonement? The Kohanim. The Kohanim. I will say, remember again, so on one hand you're telling me that it can only come from the money of the Kohen Gadol, right? No one else is allowed to pay for it. And if anyone else does pay for it, in fact, that compromises the power, which again, seems to paint a picture of a carbon yachid. But on the flip side, it's clear, it's, it's a pasuk in the Torah, that the Kohanim achieve kapara through this power. So what's going on over here? So the Gemara Salatameich, according to this logic, Echav HaKohanim, Ilab Dukanu Begivyeh So I said, this is an incredible yisod. The Gemara understands that in order to go ahead and achieve kapara, so what, what, what do the Kohanim need? What do they need? What do they need? Ownership. But let's say it's an incredible yisod in life that ultimately, again, you know, if you want the kapara of Klal Yisrael, you must be invested in Klal Yisrael. As well say, there, there's no such thing as benefiting from something as a bystander. If you want the true impact of anything in life, want the true impact of anything in life, you want the true impact of your mishpacha, be involved in your mishpacha. You want the true impact of being a member of Klal Yisrael, you have to be involved in Klal Yisrael. There is no such thing as kapara, there is no such thing as gaining atonement while standing on the sidelines. It doesn't happen that way. So the Gemara says, if the Kohanim are getting kapara through this carbon, then by definition, they must, be, they must somehow be sacrificially vested. There must be some level of ownership here. To which the Gemara says, If the Kohanim do not own some part of this, how do they achieve kapara? Ella, we'll say this, is, this is absolutely riveting. Ella shiny be Gaza da'aron, da'afkare rachmana gabe echav ha'kohanim. So we'll say, get ready for this statement. This is absolutely mind-blowing. Rather, what happens? We'll say, the ownership of the kohanim is a little bit different. I should say, the ownership of Aaron is a little bit different vis-a-vis this power. Da'afkare rachmana gabe echav. What did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do? say, who owns the power? Who owns the power? Who owns the power? Kohen Gadol. How do you know the Kohen Gadol owns the power? Because he, he pays for it. Right? I will say, incredible Yusod. He who pays owns. Cloud Gadol in life. He who pays owns. So it is clear that the Kohen Gadol owns the power. But how do the Kohanim achieve Kapara if at the end of the day they have no financial interest in the power? To which the Gemara says something mind-blowing. Da'afkare rachmana gabe echav hakohanim. But say, what does the Ribbono Sha'olam do? He takes Aaron's complete ownership of the power and he's mafkirit. He makes part of it hefker and conveys partial ownership of the power to the kohanim. So I will say, whereas every single other carbon, ultimately, again, financial ownership determines, in, deter, determines or the financial interest determines ownership, the power which is exclusively the financial ownership of the Kohen Gadol, the Ribbono Shal Olam himself is mafkir, part of the Kohen Gadol's ownership, and conveys that ownership interest to the Kohanim themselves. Therefore, again, the Gemara says, Hachagabi Timur Anami, Shiny Begaza Da'aron, Da'afkir Rachmana Gabi Echavakanan. Therefore, again, let's close out Timura. So, based on this, based on this, can you go ahead and perform Tamura on the power of the Kohen Gadol? What would you say? Can you perform Tamura? 
supposed to be brave. Answer. Answer. It's good to take a stand on things. Right? Can you go ahead and perform two more on the part of the Kohen Gadol? Everybody's avoiding eye contact with me now. Excellent. Good. Supposed to say, don't be scared. Right? The answer is no. Why not? Why not? Because it's a partial shutfin. Because ultimately, again, there's joint ownership. There's joint ownership. So I will say, so again, remember everything now, by that, I'm going to show you something incredibly beautiful. Everything with this one statement, all of our open questions kind of fall into place. So let's work backwards. So now, first of all, we understand the complex nature of the power. The power itself, which could, this is the power of the Kohen Gadol, which could only be purchased with the money of who? Money of who? Kohen Gadol. What happens if he uses someone else's money? It's invalid, right? The carbon itself is not valid. So Allah Hamaisa could only be purchased with the, with the money of the Kohen Gadol. Lest you think, therefore, that it transforms it into a carbon yachid, something amazing is happening over here. So you'll say, you ask yourself, where does the Gemara get this idea that the Ribbon Shalom is mafkir, right? He makes Hefker part of the ownership interest of the Kohen Gadol and gives it over to the Kohen Where does the Gemara get that from? So I will say, it's based on the fact that we have to back into a reality. What's the reality? The Torah tells us, right? The Torah tells us that the par atones for the Kohanim. So we know that, that that is a divine fact. The par atones for the Kohanim. Once I know that fact, that's a fact, I now have to figure out the mechanics. So here are the facts I have. Fact number one is that the par atones for the Kohen Gadol and the Kohanim. Fact number two is that the power can only be purchased with the money of the Kohen Gadol. So I have two facts that, if you think about it, are a little bit mutually exclusive. Because fact number one tells me joint ownership, right? Which is that it atones for the Kohen Gadol and, and, and Kohanim. Fact number two, which has purchased the money of the Kohen Gadol, makes it a carbon yachid. So how do I reconcile fact one and fact two? That's what the Gemara says. Afkarei rachmana gabe It must be that the mechanics of the par is that the Ribono Shalolam was mafkir, some of Aaron's ownership interest, and conveyed that over to the Kohanim, making this a jointly owned carbon, thereby allowing the Kohen Gadol and the Kohanim to achieve atonement through the par, and also telling me what? That you cannot affect Tamura with the par. Why not? Why not? Because Halakha Lamaisa, it is a carbon shell shutfin, and only an individual owned, only a carbon shell yachid is subject to Timura. Anything that has more than one owner, by definition, not subject to Timura. I will say so, but what about our last outstanding question? What about, remember again how this all started? Kohen Gadol shafted the par, he has the dam, then what happened? He died. He died. Kohen Gadol number two comes on the scene. Now, what's the shayla? What's the shayla? Can he use the dam from the first Kohen Gadol's par? Or must he go ahead and offer up a new par? So we'll say, so now watch this. So the Rambam, by the way, you already know the answer to this. What's the answer? Take a guess. What's the answer? Okay, I'll read to you in the Rambam. So let's listen to this. So Hilchos Avodos Yom HaKippurim, Parakei Alocha Yud Gimel. Par Yom HaKippurim. I will say, here it is. Here the Rambam spells this all out. Hey Yud Gimel. Par Yom HaKippurim, Apapi Shekohen Gadol Kone Mishalo, Bo here it is explicitly in the Rambam. Even though the Kohen Gadol must go ahead and purchase the power with his own money, the Ribono Shal Olam was mafkir, right? Made hefker some of the ownership interest of the Kohen Gadol and conveyed it to the other Kohanim. 
Listen to this. For the simple fact, says the Rambam, because if the Kohanim did not have an ownership interest in this, then what? Then what? There is no kapara. See, I will say, you cannot glean the full impact or full effect of something if you are not vested. If you're just a spectator, if you're just a bystander, you cannot, it doesn't matter, community, kehila, family, whatever it is, if only if you're involved in something, actively vested in something, you've put in your money, you've put in your resources, you've put in yourself, then you can glean the benefits of it. Says the Gemara, if they're not a shut, if you can't get kapara, here we go. That the Ramam has an additional case over here. Let's say the Kohen Gadol bought the par and he died before Shechita. So what's Talachah? The replacement Kohen Gadol goes ahead and brings the first par. Why? Why? Because they all own it B'Shutfus. Even though, again, it was bought with the Kohen Gadol's money. Nevertheless, Chashparach was mafkir, an ownership chilek, and gave it to all the other Kohanim. However, here we go. So what happens if the Kohen Gadol shechted his par, has the dam, but then died before being able to sprinkle the blood. What's the halacha? It all makes sense. Then Allah you coin Godel number two could use the blood from the now deceased coin Godel's power. And Allah said, it all makes sense. Why? Why? Because again, it's Shufus. Because ultimately, the power of the coin Godel is considered to be owned in partnership. Therefore, Allah said, again, if the coin, if the coin Godel bought the power, died before being able to shaft it, the replacement Kohen Gadol could still use that power because they're all considered to be owners in that power. If the Kohen Gadol shafted the power but didn't yet get a chance to sprinkle the dam, the replacement Kohen Gadol could go ahead and use that dam because they're all considered to be shutfim in that power. And what are the mechanics of that? Even though the Kohen Gadol bought it with his own money, the Ribbon Sha'olam was mafkir a chilek of the ownership interest from the Kohen Gadol, and ultimately, again, conveyed it to the regular Kohanim. Absolutely incredible. We'll say that closes out our sugya. Now back to the Avod of Yom Kippur, back to our journey through the Beis HaMikdosh. Hayim ha'halich behecho, ad shemagia lebein shtei ha'parochos, So we'll say, ha'mavdil ben kodesh, u'ben kodesh kodesh. So we'll say, so now remember again, the last thing we left off with was, that the Kohen Gadol has in his hand. What does he have in his hand? He has in his right hand, what does he have? The shovel, right, with the coals. In his left hand, he has the ladle. You remember again, we spoke about what the Kohen Gadol does with the ladle inside the Kodesh HaKadoshim, but again, that was jumping ahead, right? If, just, if, we, if we keep to the orders of the Mishnayis, the last piece in the Mishnah we had is that the Kohen Gadol is walking in with the machta, with the shovel in his right hand, the ladle, the calf, in his left hand, and he's walking in. This Mishnah, and so where is he walking to? Where is he walking to? The Kodesh HaKadosh. Because remember again, the Kitoris service. The, remember again, on Yom Kippur, I will say, how many forms of Kitoris are we offering up? We're, off, right, we're offering up Kitoris three times. How many types of Kitoris? Two types. Right? Because remember again, there's the daily Kitoris, right? Part of which is offered up morning and afternoon. That's offered up, remember, where? Where? 
Mizbeach HaPanimi, the inside golden altar. And then there is the Ketaris of Yom Kippur, which is offered up where? In the Kodesh HaKadoshim. So we're focused now on the Ketaris of Yom Kippur. So he's walking into the Mekoyim, walking into the Mekdash, with again the Machta in the right hand, the Kaf in the left hand. The Mishnah is now going to discuss where he's walking to, or how he's going to travel. So he would walk in the Beis HaMikdash, and I will say Hechal, of course, again, if you happen to have your Beis HaMikdash diagram, there are more available up here as well. So remember again, the Kohen Gadol now is walking into the Hechal. This is called the Hechal over here, right? The actual, when we talk about the Beis HaMikdash, we often refer to this entire area. The Kohen Gadol now is entering into the Hechal. He's going to go through the Ulam, ultimately go into the Kodesh. So watch this, says the Gemara Hayim HaLech Hechal, so we'll say, listen to this. And he's going to walk until he gets, so we'll say, if you notice on this picture over here, it says you walk into the Kodesh, there are two squiggly lines over here. Those lines are supposed to represent two curtains. The Tanakhama says that there were two curtains which divided between the Kodesh and the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And there was one amma of space in between those two curtains. One amma, not, not, not a lot of space, right? A foot and a half in between those two curtains. So he would go ahead and he would walk up those two curtains and then go in between the curtains. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, I'm Rabbi Yossi. So I'm, Rabbi, uh, so I'm sorry, Rabbi Yossi Omer, Lo haisa sham ela parochas achas gilvod. Rabbi Yossi disagrees. Rabbi Yossi holds that no, there were not two curtains. There was only one curtain, one curtain dividing between the Kodesh and the Kodesh HaKadoshim, Shnei Amar, V'hevdilah HaParochas, V'hevdilah HaParochas, Lachem, Mena Kodesh, Mena Kodesh, Kodeshim, because Rabbi Yossi says, the Pasek only says, the Parochas, singular, the curtain, singular, will go ahead and divide between the Kodesh and the Kodesh HaKadoshim. So we'll say, so here's what the Mishnah is telling me. The Mishnah is very nondescript on how the Kohen is walking in. We'll get into greater detail down in the Gemara. But the, Yimar, the Mishnah does bring up a fundamental machlokas. How many curtains were there in the Beis HaMikdash? Tanakam is saying two curtains with one arm of space in between them. Rabbi Yossi is saying only one curtain. So says the Gemara, let's talk about that second machlokas just a moment. Shapir Kamar Luhu Rabbi Yossi the Rabbanon. So we'll say Rabbi Yossi is saying good, right? Because we'll also remember again, Rabbi Yossi says there was only one curtain. Haimel was only one curtain because the Pazik says, V'hevdila parochas lachem b'na kodesh kodesh kodeshim. The curtain, singular, will divide between the Kodesh and the Kodesh HaKadosh. So what are you about? Two curtains. There was one curtain. So what did the Rabbana, what does the Tanakhama do with that Pasuk? We'll say, when was there one curtain? There was one curtain in the Mishkan. Remember, we'll say that Pasuk is by the Mishkan. Remember, again, we'll also want to point out, the Torah, does the Torah discuss the Beis HaMikdash? Right? Torah makes veiled reference to the Beis HaMikdash. Right, right, that we say in the Shira. That's reference ultimately again to the Beis Hamikdash. Another veiled reference to the Beis Hamikdash, but the only quote unquote temple that the Torah discusses is is the Mishkan. So the Torah goes out and says, so 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 the Rabbana will say, yes, you're correct, Rabbi Osi, but that's the Mishkan. The Mishkan had one curtain. Listen to this, Ava Mikdash Sheni, Kevin Dalahavi Amatraksin. We'll say, okay, let's talk about this in just a moment. Because this is really quite fascinating. So I'll say, here's what we have. 
In the Mishkan, in the Mishkan, there was one curtain. Okay. In the Mikdash Rishon, remember again, the Mikdash Rishon and the details of the Mikdash Rishon, of the first base of Mikdash, ultimately again were given, given to Shlom Elech by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Right? The details, the dimensions, everything was given over by the Rebbe Shalom. In the, base, in the first base HaMikdash, when you walked from the Kodesh into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, there was a wall. There was a wall in between the Kodesh and the Kodesh HaKadoshim. The wall was one arm thick, and there was a curtain. And there was a curtain. And how did you go in from the Kodesh into the Kodesh HaKadoshim? You pulled the side of the, or they pinned the side of the curtain, and you walked in. That's what happened. There was a one arm thick wall. So that, here was the problem. In the second base of Mikdash Abosai, the, the, the ceiling was much higher. So Rashi puts this out. So because the ceiling was much higher, they could not build a floor-to-ceiling wall that was one ama thick. In other words, that thickness was not, was not enough to support the height of the wall. So what did they do instead? They hung a curtain. Now the problem was, we'll say as follows. In the first base of Mikdash, you had an ama of thickness that was occupied by the wall. In the second base of Mikdash, that ama is there. What was the suffix? What was the status of that ama? Who does that ama belong to? Is that ama part of the Kodesh HaKadoshim? Or is that ama part of the Kodesh? They didn't know. They didn't know about it. It's fascinating. They did not know how to categorize that ama. So what do they do? Essentially, I will say, how do they deal with it? By creating a double curtain system and essentially roping off that ama. So pretty much no one uses that ama, right? On a regular day, no one's traversing that ama. So whether it's part of the Kodesh, whether it's part of the Kodesh Kadashim, the only time that ama is being used is when? Is when? On Yom Kippur for the Queen Gadol to go in. That was it. So I will say, so interestingly enough, this is the sheet of the Rabbana. So the Rabbana will say, yes, I agree in the Mishkan, that ultimately, again, there was a curtain. That's fine, Rabbi Yossi, the Pasuk according by the Mishkan, right? But what the Rabbana says, Rabbi Yossi, what you're forgetting is like this, is that we have a fundamental architectural issue between Mikdash Rishon and Mikdash Sheni. Mikdash Rishon, that one ama of space was occupied by a wall. Mikdash Sheni, that wall is not there. So what do you do with the ama of space? That's what the Gemara says, Mesap Kiluhu, the Rabbanon were masupak about the Kiddush of the Amo. Is it like the Kodesh HaKadoshim? Is it like the Kodesh? Therefore, Va'avich Teparacha. So also the easiest way to deal with it, remember again, by the time we get to Mikdash Sheni, also we're dealing with a period where there's no longer any Nevuah. So therefore again, Allah said the ability, the ability to ask the Yibam by the way, what should we do with this, was not there. And therefore, Allah said the way they dealt with it was by essentially making it, you know, we'll call it temple no man's land. You got it, you just simply demarcate, you rope it off. You rope it off. Double curtain system. We'll say fine. So that's the Machlokes, Rabbi Yossi and the Tanakama. Rabban Paskin is like the Tanakama. Said Allah Chalamaisa again, the one curtain system. It's true. I take it back. There was a one curtain system in the Mishkan and in the Mikdash Rishon. The double curtain system only comes really into effect when? Second base of Mikdash. And really as a way of just taking care of the suffix about what to do with the Amma of space. Now I will say we get into an incredible Machlok. So I will say, see now, the Bryce we're about to quote. Remember, the Mishnah is very nondescript on how the Kohen Gadol got from the entranceway of the Beis HaMikdash into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, right? According to the Mishnah, it sounds like he just walked in. The Bryce is going to say that actually now there's a three-way Machlokas as to what route he took when he went from the entranceway of the Kodesh into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. See, here we go. Tan 
So as Rabbi Huda holds that when the Kohen Gadol entered into the Beis HaMikdash, he took a specific route between, between, the, between the Mizbeach and the Menorah. So we'll say, if you look at this over here, so remember again, here you have, I don't know if you can see this over here, but you can see this on your own. So you have, if, if you're looking at your Beis HaMikdash diagram, that little square over here, like dead center, that's the Mizbeach. Right? That's the Mizbeach. The menorah, the menorah bosei, is on the southern side, right? South, south over here. So according, remember again, this is, this is east, west, north, south. So the menorah is on the southern side, on the southern side. So according to Yehuda, when the Kohen Gadol would come in, the way he would walk was he would enter in and he would go in between the Mizbeach and the menorah. The say we're going to see, let me just tell you this now, because it'll come up a little bit later on, but let's just say now. The machlokus regarding the route that the Kohen Gadol would take is dependent on which side of the curtain was open. We're going to see there's a machlokus. Let me, let me also clarify one thing. We, let, we're go, we're, we, we are going to adopt the double curtain approach of the Tanakamo, which is obvious. Obviously, if you're having double curtains, what does that mean? The curtains did not run the full length, right? So the front curtain was open a little bit on one side. And the back curtain, the second curtain, was open a little bit on the other side. There's going to be a fundamental machlokis on the outer curtain. Was it open ultimately again on the northern side or the southern side? There's a machlokis about that. Depending on how you come out on that machlokis is going to determine the route ultimately that the Kohen Gadol took in when going into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. So Rabbi Huda holds that when the Kohen Gadol would go in, he would go in in between the Mizbeach and the Menorah. And you can see, that's really, this is reflected on the diagram you have in front of you, thereby indicating that the Paroches, the curtain, was opened up on the southern side, the bottom southern side. That's Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Meir Omer, Ben Shulchan Mizbeach. Rabbi Meir said no, he would come in between the Shulchan and the Mizbeach. So also remember again, pretty much has him on the up, coming on the opposite side. Remember, the Shulchan is on the northern side. So Rabbi Meir says he comes in on the northern side between the Shulchan and the Mizbeach. And some say that ultimately, again, he came in between the Shulchan and the Kosel. We'll say a third opinion, that he came in actually over here, hugging the wall. Hugging the wall between the Shulchan and the Kosel. The wall the Kosel is the wall, Shulchan the Shulchan. So we'll say, so three of Machlokes, right? Rabbi Huda telling me he comes in on the southern side, between the Mizbeach and the Menorah. Rabbi, Rabbi Meir telling me he comes in on the northern side, between the Mizbeach and the Shulchan, and then the Yishomrim, also northern side, but extreme northern side, between the Shulchan and the wall. Says the Gemara, by the way, Man Yishomrim, who are the Yishomrim? To which the Gemara says, Rav Chista, for instance, the Gemara says, Am Rav Chista, Rabbi Yossihi. It's ultimately, again, Rabbi Yossi holds the Amar, Rabbi Yossi holds that the entrance of the curtain was on the northern side, and therefore you come in hugging the northern wall. So we'll have to stop over here for today, but we'll pick up again dramatic machlokes, and this machlokes is not only about how the Kohen Gadol entered in on Yom Kippur, but as we're going to see, it's the machlokes about the fundamental layout of the curtains of the Beis HaMikdash. We'll pick up here tomorrow.